Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. My work schedule is so crappy. I don't. I can't remember where the hell I'm at half the time. But uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out. As per the usual, we're gonna start with some sponsors. Of course, we have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend, the par- my partner on Break the Cycle, the coolest guy you know. Check him out today. Uh, he's got amazing, amazing graphic gear. I mean, stuff like this shirt that I'm wearing tonight, Government is the Mafia, Masquerading as a Human Rights Organization, uh, among tons of other things that you can buy at a 10% discount by using BTC at checkout. Um, or you can join the Patreon, the Subscribe Star, or uh, the channel membership here on YouTube. YouTube, and you can get into a private Discord server where you can get up to 30% off of new gear uh, two weeks prior to it going out to the general population. I promise you it's worth it. He's got so much cool shit. You can't go wrong. And of course, executive producer of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check these people out today. See what they can do for your business, personal life, or home. They're doing a wonderful job that the government sucks at. Uh, much cheaper and much more efficiently guys we've got an awesome show for you tonight as per the usual i've got a great guest he is the uh a community advocate and pat prior uh city council candidate for brooklyn he is ray denaro how you doing sir i'm doing well man thanks for having me on of, cor- of course man i appreciate you coming on dude uh, to, you know listen anybody who who comes on word of top lobster is is good in my in my book uh, the guy's one of the most solid dudes I know. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. So if you guys are friends, you know, you're family to me, brother. Yeah, shout out to the Top Lobster. I'm glad he, uh, glad he linked us up. He's, uh, yeah, he's been my friend for quite a while. And uh, we, we kind of grew up together. We played some baseball together as kids. Uh, lost touch for a little bit. Then we became Facebook friends. And uh, every once in a while, I go on my news feed. I'm like, that's a pretty smart dude right there. Like, and I'm like, oh, it's him. It's, it's and, the um, man. We, yeah, we just got talking again, and uh, yeah, I love what he does on Twitter. I love what he does on Facebook, and uh, yeah, he put me on to you. It put me on to your show, which uh, which I love. Uh, you know, I love the fact that I'm joining the likes of Dave Smith, Austin Peterson, Scott Horton, and you know, I'm in very good company here, man. I'm home, yeah, so I'm good. Yeah, we have some, we have some pretty great people uh, that come on the show from time to time, and then uh, and it's it's been a really it's been a blessing for me. Obviously, it's become invaluable to my family, but uh, you know, I I ran for chairman of the the National Libertarian Party twice. Um, Um, I traveled around to 40 states over uh, like three and a half year period, and I've met all these people in person, except for Dave Smith. I have not met Dave Smith in person. I will rectify that someday, but I've been able to leverage those contacts into a pretty cool show. You know what I mean? Thankfully. But uh, but so you're, you know, you have uh, uh, political aspirations. You ran for city council in Brooklyn, which is, I mean, it's brutal. New York is brutal for liberty-based politics. I mean, I'm yes. not going to act like it's it's easy. Um, you know, I've I've lived places where it's much easier and it's still hard. Uh, you know, what was it? What was it that made you want to become, you know, work in politics, become a community advocate, and 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 furthermore, like, what? How did you take this journey to to being like a liberty-based person? So I'd love to tell you that it was in my blood from when I was a kid, uh, but but it wasn't. Uh, I was always involved in my community. I was always doing things. I always went to events, uh, but I never really thought that politics would be the outlet uh, that I should try to, to make a difference. Um, right around 2015, 2016 is when my eyes really started opening uh, to problems in my community. Uh, my campaign was community-based. 
Uh, I was always a community guy. It's uh, I grew up in my neighborhood. I've lived. In, I'm 31 years old. I've lived in my neighborhood for 31 years, and I and I kind of just saw a deterioration over time. And I thought, how can I make a difference? How can I make a change? I actually met uh, with local councilmen, state senators, assemblymen about ideas that I had and problems that I saw in the community. Um, and when you have a one-party rule. People don't tend to pay attention. Uh, it's something called the zombie vote, where they know they're going to get in, and when they're done with that seat, they have somebody in line waiting. And I didn't think it was fair. I didn't think it was right. I never remember an election uh, being highly contested. It was sort of just you know one person on a ballot, and maybe just somebody else was thrown on there, and that person who had the seat already would win, or they would have a next in kin, and he would win. So in 2017, I met with the, the GOP, the Brooklyn GOP. They, obviously, it's the Republicans and Democrats here. Libertarians don't have ballot status. Uh, but I met with the Brooklyn GOP. I said, I, I want to try to do something. I want to try a run. And I ran for city council. And I ran in a, in a very tough district. Uh, Republicans normally don't do well here. I was, I was told I was, you know, go for it, take a shot, and maybe a stepping stone for something. I would get 10 to 12 percent. I got 30%, and I started running for office in August, and the election was in November. Uh, most people, when they prepare for runs, it's, it's a year, year and a half process, and I did it in four months. I, I met a lot of people. I knocked on a lot of doors. I had a full-time job, and I would literally be at train stations at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, campaign for two hours, go to work, and then campaign for four or five hours after work. Uh, I did it for four months. It was grueling. But it was also one of the best experiences of my life. I got I got to learn a lot about my community. I got to learn got a lot. To, you know, I learned a lot about the the actual uh, political machines that there are, and I, I got a little bit of insight into what really goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about. So it was a, it was a very cool experience for me. Sure, and I want to I want to talk about like I want people to understand you're a Republican running in Brooklyn. Okay, you didn't win, right? Yeah, but you got thirty percent running as a Republican. Yeah. In Brooklyn, I, I want to reiterate that one more time. A Republican in Brooklyn—it's very hard to do, dude. That's hard to do. I mean, and, and I, I was—I was a kid, man. I was 27 years old at the time. And one of the biggest things uh, when you're running for office in Brooklyn is you're a viable candidate if you get something called matching funds. So what that means is the city will actually uh, fund your campaign six to one, but you have to meet a donation threshold. So I needed to have at least a hundred donors, or I needed to amass like ten thousand dollars in donations. Everyone told me there would be no shot I would do that. I started running in August. By September, I had matching funds. I raised over $100,000. And I was literally just knocking on doors and being like, here I am. Here's a palm card. Here's what I want to do. Donate and just please vote for me. Went out and I had to get like 250 signatures to get on a ballot. I got over 800 signatures to get on a ballot. So I did the work. I had a, a great team of people behind me who helped that process. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was just it was a phenomenal experience. Yeah, that's just wild, man. It's it, it's you know, it gives guys like me a little bit of a, a hopium. You know what I mean? We're like, oh shit, if you know, if a Republican could do something in Brooklyn, dude, maybe the tides turn in there because you know, Brooklyn's not not upstate. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, certainly not. Yeah, and I, you know, I I've not spent a lot of time in New York, but I know the dynamics of New York pol- politics. I know that uh, you know. The, the upstaters don't really they don't really like the the uh, New York City area uh, and 
the governor really only cares about that area and everybody feels kind of left out and they basically all the outcomes of the elections there uh happen where you live and so um you you've had some interesting stuff go on lately in new york uh including uh mr mr killing granny smack and fanny's resigning uh that guy is insane I, I like to i refer to him on the show all the time as uh as crime boss cuomo right i mean the the guy's basically he's basically like a mobster running the, the state i mean i'd be surprised if he wasn't some kind of mobster but uh what's it feel like there now that that cuomo has stepped down man did he resign i thought the major news was that he was getting back together with sarah lee that's that's pretty interesting <laughs> no obviously uh it, it, listen it was a long time coming the guy mishandled covid he, it was out in the open. He killed, he's responsible for 15,000 deaths. He's responsible for wasted funds as far as the USS Comfort goes. He put the, he made a Jacob Javits Center, a hospital that I think 20 people got treated in. Uh, he had sexual assault scandals going on. And in the meantime, this guy, he shut down the entire city, the entire state. New York City has been in ruins. And, and anyone can tell you what they want to tell you. I live here. I, I see it every day. I drive through the city. The city in the last 18 months has completely deteriorated. And now you would think a guy like that would try to hide under a rock, under his bed, not make too much noise. But no, he wrote a book about how he successfully defeated COVID and he won an Emmy, apparently. Maybe he should be hiding under Guantanamo Bay is what I like to say. But no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get Mofa Como. I say it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you listen. If we got to have Guantanamo open, there's people that b- that belong there, like Fauci and and uh, and Cuomo. But yeah, man, the whole thing's been pr- just wildly insane to me. I mean, so so, and, and we didn't even get into the the fact that this guy uh, basically told the upstaters to get fucked and took all the respirators he could to to the city. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, come to find out later, the respirators were actually probably doing more harm than they were good. It, it's like it, it felt like maybe in Minecraft that Cuomo wanted everyone to die. It, it certainly feels like that. I mean, it, all the science was telling him not to crowd people into nursing homes, old people, people who, who are the most accessible to this virus. And yet he did it. And for some reason, he came off like a hero. Like, I can, I can never understand it. It's just great that at this point now, the legacy of Andrew Cuomo is the fact that he resigned in disgrace and he has nipple rings. And that's pretty much all there is for Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's wait. Let's slow it down a little bit there. Are you Italian by any chance? Mr. Denaro. Yeah, yeah. So I take great offense to the fact that he was just like, "Hey, I'm not sexual assault, hey! sexually assaulting people. I'm just Italian." I'm just I Italian. Tweeted, <laughs> I tweeted the other day. I was like, "Yeah, I'm actually a dual citizen. I'm an Italian. I love pizza, pasta, and biscotti. I don't go around slapping women's asses like that's dude. It's, it's not hilarious. the agenda of being an Italian." So, it's, so it's really funny. I when I started hearing that, my my grandfather, my my uh, my mom's dad, he actually adopted her when she was like six months old. Uh, married my grandmother and adopted my mother um and he was italian and portuguese right and so he he we would tell people that we were italian by by reverse osmosis you know we're not actually italian but my grandfather was like an old italian fisherman dude that's like what he did right. he fucking fished he cooked all day he retired so he could stay in the kitchen and cook all day that's what he wanted to do was he, always, he, was he one of the italians that always dresses like super properly like suspenders button-down shirt tucked into his no, pants no my grandfather was a fucking slob dude <laughs> he would walk around in like ripped pajama pants and like house shoes all day long dude <laughs> 
No, my no. grandfather is always dressed to the nines, and like it could be to go to the supermarket. I'll never understand it. No, it's funny. My grandfather, he's he. So it's really weird. My grandfather, he grew up in like a little farming town in uh, in California. Um, uh, called Sebastopol. They call it Sebtown for short. And his family actually owned an olive farm. They made olive oil and shit. And it was like, it got really big and they sold it off. And then come to find out, you know, I was like, man, I could have been the, like Bertoli, like olive air, right? But yeah. you sold it. Um, no, but but he was, he, he, you know, God bless his heart, rest in peace. He died uh, uh, a couple years ago, but he was, he was, uh, he, he, he retired so he could fish bowl and stay home and cook all day i mean that's literally what he did he kept a bowl of onions like like uh marinating in vinegar on the on the on the but anyways my grandfather never sexually harassed anybody it was like a, yeah. the man was like a catholic saint right and he, yeah. went to, and he went to catholic mass i mean every sunday his entire life he went to catholic mass um but the man was a saint and so when i hear this guy going no nah, that's just how we are i'm italian you know i was like fuck motherfucker like my grandfather yeah. never did that shit and the best part was, like, he kept putting pictures up that, like, he was touching people's faces. And a lot of the pictures were during the last 18 months where you were really not supposed to be touching people's faces at the time. There was a virus going on. But, yeah, it, that's one of the craziest things I, I, uh, I saw and I heard. And I was like, I mean, listen, Italy's, Italy's had a pretty good run. We did really well during the Olympics. Like, we won the Euro Cup. And then Andrew Cuomo just sort of torpedoed that by saying, hey, my sexual assault uh, allegations are choked up to me just being Italian. Yeah, it's just Italian. That's what we do. You know, we're fucking, we like to pinch asses. It's totally cool. You know, yeah, yeah. and then and then the left who demonized Trump for saying, yeah, just walk up and grab him by the pussy. You know, yeah. they're like, they're like, oh no, Cuomo's cool. It's just, he's Italian. That's all it is. It just blows my mind that that's an argument for, for I mean, blatant sexual harassment. You know, I don't agree, but it did kind of tarnish the Italian name, man. For a little bit, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and my fiance is Italian too. She is a little, she is a little harassy though. I'm not gonna lie. Only, <laughs> only with me though. Thankfully, well, you're, so good, you're so you're so good looking. I thought. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah some, somebody said I was good looking the other day, and I was like, I just don't. You know, I, I got to be honest, I just don't see it. <laughs> uh, but uh, we got some super chats. First one coming in from our good friend Top Lobster, five dollars super chat. Thank you, sir. He said, "Ask Ray who is the best baseball player he knows, and why is it him?" Ah. Uh. It's not him. Best baseball player I know. Actually, my, my favorite baseball player of all time uh, is Alex Rodriguez, believe it or not. I wear the number 13 uh, in honor of Alex Rodriguez, and also it uh, just happened to be my dad's favorite number. So Alex Rodriguez is my favorite player, but the Lobster, who is my, uh, my former softball and baseball teammate, can take number two. Holy fuck, dude. I didn't even think about this. You're a Yankees fan, aren't you? I'm, you know what's funny? Uh, and, and also, it, it ties in. This, for some reason, ties into the Libertarian Party, but I'm a Dallas Cowboys slash Yankee fan. Dude, this is the funny. Hold on. This is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. We have to talk. We, we might be kindred spirits here. Not because of the Yankees. I hate the fucking Yankees. But I'm an Oakland A's fan. Die hard. Okay. Die hard. I'm born, okay. I'm born and raised right outside of Oakland. We're basically the, the Yankees farm team. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, you know, 100%. You're, you're, well, yeah. you're welcome for Swisher and Giambi and all that good shit. Yeah, but, yeah. but, uh, I'm also a Dallas Cowboys fan. All of my teams, all of my teams yeah. are are Bay Area sports teams. I like the the San Jose Sharks. I'm a big Golden State Warriors fan. I'm a big Oakland A's fan. But I I've, I grew up right outside of Oakland, and I love the Dallas Cowboys. My mom fucked me up. My mom did that to me. She she yeah. uh, she got me a Dallas Cowboys parka when I was like four or five, and so of course I wore it. You know what I mean? I'm from I was from the hood. You know, so we had our starters parkas and shit. And, um, right. and then the Cowboys won back to back Super Bowls, and it was like, yeah. how what, what was I gonna do? You know. Yeah. But the Yankees well, I have my own 
I have my uncle John that he's probably listening. I sent the link to uh, to a bunch of people. He's one of them. He, he actually got me into the Dallas Cowboys as a kid. Uh, so me and my cousins and I have a couple a couple of my buddies uh, with diehard Dallas Cowboy fans. Uh, I actually went to Dallas for the last playoff game that they were in against the Seahawks. Uh, so yeah, love the Cowboys. Nice. Definitely. And, uh, it's good okay. to get a your Cowboy fan too. We'll, we'll share the misery of the yeah, seasons we'll, together. Yeah, exactly. All of the all of the seasons. Uh, so but here's so let's talk about uh, okay. So you have to pick a team, right? Like wh- where you're from. It, it's you know, like I'm a Cowboys fan, but I grew up right next to San Francisco and Oakland. So that we had the Niners and the Raiders, right? And so you have to like, you know, have some pride in your hometown team when your team's not playing them. Of course, I was more of a Raiders guy because I grew, grew up at the Coliseum because the Raiders played where the A's play, right? Yeah, so not e- not anymore. Now they're fucking Las Vegas turds. Um, so it was like I always appreciated the Niners and the Raiders, but I I, I like the Raiders more. But I'm a Cowboys fan. Do with the Jets or the Giants? Neither. Buffalo Bills. They're oh, fuck, dude. The upstate team, <laughs> huh? Well, yeah. hey, man, at least you, you probably like good wings, too, you know? I do. I do enjoy good wings. So, yeah, Buffalo Buffalo Bills. It's the easy decision. I can never root for the Giants for my division. I can't stand them. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, the Jets, if there, if there is a more miserable uh, sports franchise than the Dallas Cowboys in the last 10 years, it's probably the New York <laughs> Jets. Yeah, or, or, the, or the Browns. I don't know. But, no, I, yeah. I, I, I was going to say, I don't even know why I didn't think about that. The fucking Giants, dude. Of course you can't like the yeah. Giants. You're a Cowboys fan. It's like, listen, Giants, Redskins, fucking out. Sorry, right away. Done. Yeah. E- Eagles are the worst, though. The worst. Yeah. I'm sorry, Philly fans. I know I got a lot of Philly fans. Uh, but anyways, um, so we got another super chat from Level Zero, $2. He says, when do you think de Blasio's time's up? And that's, yeah, I mean, you got to get rid of that fucking guy, right? Yeah, so he's, I mean, he's term limited this time around. So his last day in office is uh, New Year's Eve of, of this year. Um, there was two primaries already, the Republican primary uh, that Curtis Sliwa won for mayor. And the Democratic primary, Eric Adams uh, won. So they'll face each other in November, obviously the first Tuesday in November. I forget what day that is. Um, I, I mean, there is a conservative candidate, too, who actually I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, his name is Bill Pepitone. Um, personally, I think the Republicans should have given the line to Pepitone or at least let him run on the line in the primary. Uh, they didn't. I think he's an outstanding guy, stand-up guy, former former police officer. Uh, he knows the system. He's very well-spoken. Um, I'm not entirely a, a big fan of Curtis Sliwa. Um, but at this point now, I'm just ecstatic that this is over, that the de Blasio era is done. We rid him, and he actually had a, an aide to him try to run for office, Maya Wiley. And for a minute there, she scared the crap out of everyone because it, it looked like she, she might actually win. We have ranked choice voting now in New York, and, uh, and thankfully she didn't come out on top. Eric Adams... Uh, also a former cop as a Democratic candidate, uh, like I said, Curtis Lee, the Republican candidate, Bill Pepitone uh, is the conservative candidate. Nice. H- how much how much more tyranny can you take, Ray? I mean, before uh, before you break and fucking run away from New York, how much can you take? Uh, I'm at the brink, man. Uh, I talk to my family about it all the time. Uh, I, I, I can't see myself living here this much longer. I mean, we're, we're looking, we're staring in the face, another mask mandate. Uh, potential lockdowns. Uh, they just announced recently to, to pretty much live everyday life. You need to be vaccinated. Um, this this isn't the country I grew up in. This isn't the country I eventually want to raise kids in. Uh, it's, it's not the city I grew up in. And the fact that the, the government can just say like, hey, starting next month, this is the rule or else. And uh, every creed, color, political party isn't standing up and saying, 
No. I mean, there's a Bill of Rights in the Constitution, and there isn't an asterisk in there that says in case, you know, the coronavirus happens, this is all bullshit. So I, the fact that no one's standing up to this uh, is insane. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, there is actually one group standing up to this. Uh, it's the New York Young Republican Party. Uh, it's headed by Gavin Wax, and we're actually having a rally this Sunday in front of Gracie Mansion, and we actually have uh, electeds joining us, uh, potential electeds joining us, candidates for office joining us. Uh, that we're going to speak. We're going to speak. We're going to be outside Gracie Mansion rallying uh, against tyranny and against uh, this this mandate now with the with the vaccines to pretty much live everyday life. Uh, a lot. Of, uh, some of us have had enough, but we need more people to join the fight. That's what it comes down to. Uh, sure. The government doesn't get get to tell you when and where you can leave your house, and the fact that so many people are just laying down and accepting that is is very scary. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely, man. It's it's. It's a fucking mess, dude. And, and as somebody who left California, I talk about this on the show all the fucking time, but I left California at 11.55 p.m. My plane flew out of San Francisco. At midnight, they started the 24-hour lockdowns. This was last March in 2020. And, and I, came to, I came to Iowa to, to, to wait for this to all blow over, basically. I was going to be here for like a couple weeks and then go back. Uh, that didn't work out. In fact, I had a baby here. I'm, now I'm getting married. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a corn-fed, ranch-drinking <laughs> Iowa boy now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but what do you think's worse, man? Truly, I mean, you know, New York is fucked. I mean, New York's fucked. But yeah. what about California, man? You, you think uh, you think that New York's got it worse than California right now? I think any city, any state with a one-party rule is is seeing what the repercussions of that is. And I mean, there is no better example of that than than New York and California. Uh, there's nobody to to balance out. There's nobody to sw- try to swing the pendulum the other way. And I think both of those cities and states are just being governed terribly. I mean, in New York, at least we did something about it. Andrew Cuomo's gone, but you know, his, his successor is Kathy Hochul. And a lot of people are excited that Cuomo's out, but you have somebody else coming in. We, we don't know what she is. Cuomo never really introduced us to his lieutenant governor. We don't know what she's apprised of. We have no clue about her, her political leanings. We know nothing about her. We just know that she was, in, you know, she was the lieutenant governor of the state. I know that California is trying to recall Gavin Newsom, is it going to happen? I, I don't. I don't know California politics enough, like New York. Like a lot of people are happy that Cuomo's gone because of what happened, and and this mismanagement of the situation. But in California, I mean, you would know better than me. Are people well, looking to get him out? Are is, are both parties conjoining on this that they want this guy out? I'm actually kind of surprised today. So 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 Gavin is on the chopping block. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And here's the thing about Gavin Newsom, right? Gavin Newsom completely was the mayor of San Francisco, right? completely fucked over San Francisco. San Francisco used to be a beautiful, wonderful, awesome city to hang out in. It was so much fun. There was like all kinds of cool stuff to do there. The people there were fun. You had like all the different districts. Um, and then, and then he became mayor and he fucked that city up. I, I talked about this on the show recently. There's a, there's a literal poo map on your, an app on your phone that you can download. That'll tell you where all the human poops are all over the streets, dude. Like it's, nice. it's that fucking bad. There's heroin needles everywhere there. You, you constantly, it's, get, like, it's like, it's like Yelp for shit. That's awesome. It's exactly <laughs> what it is. Right. And, uh, it's really, it's, he really screwed that city over and California is, I don't know if it's worse than New York in this respect, but California politicians like to fail up in California. It's kind of how it works. Uh, the, the prior governor, Jerry Brown, uh, was actually the governor in the I think it was the 80s and uh, had to had to step down uh, because he had fucked up and got caught in some kind of corruption and then they voted him back in in the in, in the 2000s 
which is just insane to think about. Um, and so, so same with Newsom. Newsom was a terrible uh, uh, mayor who fucked up an entire beautiful, one of the biggest, one of the coolest cities in California. Um, and instead of saying, "Hey, hell no, get out of politics here," they elected him to do the same thing to the entire state, and he obliged. Yeah. You know, he of course he right away started fucking up. The first thing Gavin Newsom did after he got elected is he went around and goes, "Hmm, how can we raise taxes?" That's literally his first thought. And he said, "We found that there's a hundred thousand people in California that don't have access to clean drinking water, which was mostly bullshit. It was just, uh, you know, their pipes were older or whatever. It was stupid." And so he said, "We're gonna we're gonna increase a, a tax on bottled water." in California to make up for this so that we can get these people clean drinking water. Never mind the fact that when he took over, Jerry Brown sucked at a bunch of things, but he was actually pretty fiscally conservative uh, for a California governor. And he, uh, he had like a fuck. I don't know. It was like a, like a 750 billion or 700. No, it was like $7.8 billion uh, uh, budget surplus or something. And instead of going, well, we can use some of this money to get these people clean drinking water. It was like, how can we raise taxes first? first week in office that's what gavin newsom did he he obliged right away to say hey we're gonna fuck this state up even worse because that's what he did to san francisco i mean san francisco's gonna reel from that for decades dude it's gonna take decades and it's gonna take you're gonna have to get through 20 other like uh nepotism stated like politicians in that city before you get back to somebody who's gonna be like here's how we're gonna fix this fucked up city um and so you know it's really a lot the same as New York, as far as I see it, you know, you, you got, you got Cuomo who is shitty. He's a shitty person. I mean, he's not just a shitty politician and everyone knows it in the state. Even the people who voted for the guy know he's a piece of shit and they still voted for him. So, uh, you know, look what what Cuomo's done for us here. You talk about one of the first things Gavin Newsom done. Uh, one of the first things Andrew Cuomo did was, I mean, New York originally was one of the, the toughest states for gun rights. And he, he totally dismantled gun rights for, for any legal gun owner of the state. Uh, then he enacted bail reform, uh, where pretty much a criminal can do a crime, go to jail, and be released immediately without bail, back on the streets. And these aren't, these aren't like petty larceny guys. These are guys that are like walking up to old people and punching them in the face for no reason. Yeah, you guys There's have a no problem reason. with that in Brooklyn, by the way. <laughs> Oh yeah, we had, we had the knockout game a couple like years ago, and it was like, I don't know. When I was a kid, I played wiffle ball. I didn't just go around punching people in the face. But there is there that's, is zero. That's, that started zero. right around the same time as the clowns were all over the country. It was yeah. like the, the rest of the country had these weird clown scares. People yeah. in Brooklyn were just walking up and punching people in the face, dude. I know. Yeah, we, we were a lot more united back then, but we just wanted to beat up clowns, and now we're just divided on everything. At least back then, it was like a common denominator. Like, hey, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, but there's a clown. Let's just kick the shit out of them. Where now it's just we're divided on every single thing. But yeah, I mean, bail reform has been catastrophic. Uh, Pretty much everything Cuomo has has put his hands on has been absolutely catastrophic. There is no more respect for the police. Uh, There is is no repercussions in in doing a crime. You could pretty much walk into a store now, just take something and leave, because no one even wants to deal with having the cops being called and, and being the next, you know, potential George Floyd case, you know? Sure. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really sad state. Uh, to, like I said, I, I drive to New York every day. Uh, I'm in the construction industry. I, I drive around the city. I, I go to different job sites. And tourism is down. And, I mean, for months on end, some of the nicest areas in Manhattan that on a spring or summer day would be impossible to even walk on the sidewalk. Uh, stores boarded up four rent signs, four lease signs. Whatever you're hearing about New York, unfortunately, it is 100% true. Uh, the city the city is definitely deteriorating. 
and you have two guys to look at. You have Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. And they have been two of the worst additions to the city. And this just comes a, a couple of years. I mean, don't forget. It's, it's hard to forget. But in 2001, we had the, you know, the worst terror attack to date. And people thought that the city was done at that point, that the city was shook to its core. And you had Giuliani and Pataki. And, and they did a fantastic job of revitalizing the city, making people feel comfortable about coming here again. Uh, tourism is up. And at this point now, I mean, who the, who the hell wants to come here? I speak to people every day who are just who are fleeing, who are absolutely fleeing, who are just getting rid of their houses uh, for whatever they, you know, whatever they can. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hold on. I just saw a cool chat that maybe we could talk about a little bit. I don't know how much you know about this or how much you can talk about it publicly, but uh, let's see. Sure. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? I'm, I'm looking. This is look for the the other day. Someone got mad at me online and said, you're a sellout. You only read super chats. This is how bad it is trying to find the regular chats in the chat. It's like I'm, I have to search for it. They're little. They're really little. The super chats are nice and big. I can read them really fine. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, let's see. Uh, do you think New York? This is from H. Reardon. Do you think New York would be better if wise guys were an elected uh, office? <laughs> um. You know, it's funny. I say the one bad thing that I uh, about Giuliani was that he got rid of the five families. Uh, there was there was definitely a, a different mood and how you move around New York when you knew that the five families uh, were around. Yeah, you so, can't fuck uh, you can't fuck yeah. around with those guys, dude. Yeah, yeah. So uh, ma- ma- there was a lot more law and order in the city when those dudes were around, and uh, yeah, Giuliani got rid of them, and, and things have certainly changed. Um, yeah, I mean, ah, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to say Tony Soprano, right? You know. Fanny, rest in peace. But a guy like Tony Soprano run for office and potentially win. It'd be funny to see him on the debate stage. You know. Yeah, yeah. They they're not going to fuck around up there. That's for sure, dude. Uh, I mean, did Giuliani really get rid of the mob though? I mean, he didn't get really. Oh yeah, when he was when he was uh he was a DA at the time. That was like priority number one. There was uh, a documentary about it. I really I really uh, encourage people to watch it. It was called Fear City. And it was basically how he, he took down, like, you know, La Cosa Nostra, the, the biggest crime, uh, you know, organization in the world. And and he lived to tell about it, which is pretty crazy. It didn't they, Did he really take him down or did they just all move to New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, he, he took him down. Yeah. He definitely took him down. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, there was another one I was looking at here. Damn it. Oh, it's uh, my favorite trolls in the chat. Claire Foster is amazing. And she said that you don't look anything like your cousin, Robert. De Niro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. He sucks, man. What a fall from grace. I I always say it like, not only does he politically suck, but when I I see De Niro now, like he was Jimmy Conway. He was Ace Rothstein. And now he's like, the last movie like I know he was in was like the intern with like, where he played like Anne Hathaway's intern. Yeah, that was such a dumb fucking. From the, yeah, from the great De Niro, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the man was in so many amazing, like, classic movies that'll go down in history yeah. as some of the best movies of all time, and he just sucks. It's it's yeah. one of those it's one of those cases of like don't meet your heroes. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like like I, I talk about like LeBron. Like if LeBron was like half the man Kobe was or like Jordan was, there'd be no doubt where people would be like he's the greatest ever. But he's just a piece of shit. So yeah. like it's hard to even put him in that category because you read about you read about those tales of Jordan and you read about those tales of Kobe who just played her constantly. And then you see LeBron who like gets tapped on the shoulder. He's on the floor for 25 minutes and then, you know, goes to a Hillary Clinton rally right after that. And he just sucks. Yeah. Somebody, somebody the other day uh, made a poll on Facebook and was like, uh, LeBron with two years of training and Mike Tyson is prime. Who would win? I'm like, is this a fucking real question? <laughs> LeBron would get his ass beat so bad. Yeah. It wouldn't even be close. <laughs> two years of boxing training or not, dude. Mike Tyson was That's, a monster. Yeah. That's not just boxing technique though. That's like a killer instinct. Like the, uh, the Tyson documentary, also fantastic. I read the book about him. That's that's not just boxing. That's years of just being in pain from your life, just being horrible and miserable, and taking out all that frustration out on the guy in front of you. Yeah, the guys and doing, was, it, and doing it legally. So, well, yeah. I, I, dude, I so I work twelve hour shifts and I have a lot of downtime while I'm at work and I'm constantly watching. Like I used, I did MMA for like on and off for a decade. I wrestled for fourteen years. I did a lot of boxing, but I never competed boxing at all. Um, but I love to watch old boxing clips and like little like sh- mini documentaries of boxing of all kinds of, I mean, all kinds of boxers, but I always, always end up watching the Tyson ones. Cause it was just like, the guy was phenomenal to watch, man. I mean, there wasn't, dude, dude, I met him in, in Atlantic city, maybe like three years ago. So I'm sitting at a table at, at breakfast, uh, like, a, you know, after a night of going out and I'm sitting across to my, one of my friends and he's talking to me, he's just like, yeah, I don't know. He just goes, Mike Tyson. And I'm like, what he goes dude turn around and i look and i just see the face tat and i'm like dude that is mike tyson and when i tell this guy is like i'm 510 this dude was like four or five inches shorter than me or at least it seemed that way but he was wide where like he took up the entire booth like nobody else can sit ne- in the booth next to him and he's old and he had yeah and he yeah and he had his entourage with him and they were not nearly as threatening as mike tyson actually was the dude is huge. And I went over to him at the, you know, I finished up my breakfast and he had a towel over his head. So you can tell he just didn't want to be bothered. They took the towel off. And uh, my friend's wife was actually with us and they had the same birthday. And she went up to him and she was like, oh, we had the same birthday. And he was real cool. And I just woke up to him and I'm like, like, dude, you're one of my idols. Like I've watched boxing my entire life. I shook his hand. And when I tell you this dude's hand, like encompassed my hand where my hand didn't even exist. It was like, he was shaking like, like a carrot. Like it wasn't even there. And I was just like, dude, that's Mike Tyson. Like, that is absolutely crazy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Uh, Tyson's, a, Tyson's a big – he's like – yeah, I mean, he's pretty short, but he's a, he's a big-ass dude for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's a man that – I mean, it, it wouldn't matter if he was 70 years old. I wouldn't want to fight that guy. And I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm a, You know, I'm like almost 6'3", 240, dude. I'm not a little dude. And, uh, right, right. And I, I just wouldn't want to fight that guy. It wouldn't matter how yeah. – he could be in diapers. I'm still not going to want to fight that dude. Yeah, you've been smiling for the last half hour. Like he doesn't smile. Like that's just a, like I said, a killer instinct. Like yeah. he is not happy about anything. He's just what brings him joy is putting somebody on the mat. Like that's it. Uh, I don't know if this is a troll or not, but we have someone in the chat, Christopher Scott Hill, who asked uh, asked Ray how far Sicily is from Tunisia. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a troll. Chris is one of my good buddies. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's not far, Chris. It's uh, it's just right across the river. Yes, I am full Sicilian. Yes. Oh, you're Sicilian. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. See, I was hoping that maybe uh, Italians could try to like like they do with everything else and shove off Cuomo to the Sicilians. You know what I mean? But uh, I nah. guess it doesn't work that way, bro. My, my fiance is Sicilian too. She's she's like a darker Italian for sure. But uh, I'm from the north. I'm from the northernmost part of Sicily, though. You can tell. You know, just just so Chris knows that Tunisia is closest to the most southern part of Sicily. Yeah, so. so just right across the river, he said. It's pretty yes. close. Pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Uh, what uh, did you say in the beginning that you have dual citizenship, like legit? I do. I do. I'm, I'm, I have two passports. Yeah, dude, pretty, that's fucking crazy. Cool. How often? It's a cool you, thing to talk about. Yeah. How often do you get over there, man? Um, I was going like every other year. I was supposed to go last year, and obviously, uh, I don't know if you know, but there was a pandemic, so I couldn't get over there. I had no so, idea. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of my family, my family tends to go every year. Uh, I try to go over there as much as I can. Uh, definitely happening in 2022. I, I miss it. It's it's a great uh, getaway for 10 days. Just after that 10 days, something happens to me where I'm like, I need mean people and quick moving like stuff going on in Italy and Sicily in particular is like the total opposite of that. Like I didn't realize it until like I went there when I was old enough and to like do things on my own. But at 12 o'clock, everybody just stops and just takes a nap. Like it doesn't matter if you're in the banking industry. It doesn't matter if you're in the construction industry. It doesn't matter if you sell groceries at 12 o'clock, you just, you go home and you just take a nap. And we are at 12 o'clock, you know, we're stuffing lunch down our face and we're working uh, as hard as we can. That's, that's power hour right there for a lot of us. And the fact that it's just like that there is insane. But I do love it. I love the lifestyle, like, you know, for a couple of days. But well, when, you, when you eat all that pasta and drink all that wine, man, you got to have yeah. naps. And, and like Andrew Cuomo said, smack all those asses. Yeah, I it's mean, a, yeah, lot of, it's a, a full day of eating pasta <laughs> or polenta. You know, I know I know I don't I don't judge. And and uh, drinking wine and slapping asses. You got to be tired by noon, dude. Yeah, you know when Definitely. you wake, when you wake up and eat those uh, pasta breakfast burritos and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah. at least one of the places that I've always wanted to visit, man. Like for sure, it, it's it's on the list. It's on the bucket list, especially because you know we have some heritage from there, reverse osmosis and all yeah. that shit. Uh, but I go, go to Sicily, man. I'll give you, I'll give you plenty of tips, dude. I want to go. And my and my and my fiance is Italian, and so. By you know, by proxy, my son is half Italian that we had back right. in uh, December thirty first, and his name's Matteo Floyd, so he's he's even got an Italian yeah. name, you know. Ah, he's a paisan, man. Yeah, yeah, he's he's half. He's 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 adorable, but he's he's got like the really dark blue eyes, so you know Sicilian stuff. But uh, uh, he's got he's got my eyes, thankfully. Uh, but no, I I want to go. I want to check out Italy really bad. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how how soon I'll be able to get there, but hopefully soonish. Uh, I have some family in Spain too, from my my mom's side, some Spanish family. So I'd like to check out Spain, but uh, who knows? Who knows if I'll ever get there, man? So, brother, what's uh, what's next for you, dude? You got any uh, you got any aspirations to run for office again, or what? Um. So it's funny. I've for the last three years, I, I lost the election in, in twenty seventeen. And uh, it definitely took a toll on me. And if anyone knows me, they know that that's, that's my biggest Achilles heel, is that I lost an election. Uh, I, I don't stop until I succeed at something. And the fact that I, I kind of left that open-ended, it, it burns a lot in me. Um, the political life here has just gotten entirely different from the last time I've run. Um, the fact that it's, it's pretty much become a one-party rule. Brooklyn had one Republican state senator. He's gone now. Uh, the Democratic, the, the Democrats actually hold a majority, a supermajority in the state Senate. So it just becomes increasingly more difficult for Republicans. I've been saying 
I'm in between probably not and never again. But when I see what's going on, how, how can I not think about it? You know, how, how can I how can I not give people a voice? And I felt like when I ran in 2017, that's what I was, was I was a voice for, for my community, for a lot of people. Like I said, there was there was never any attention or excitement around an election in my area of Brooklyn. And I felt that in 2017, when I drove down blocks and I saw lawn signs, and when if I would go out for dinner in my neighborhood, people would go, we know who you are, good luck, we're, you know, we're, we're voting for you, we're proud of you. Uh, that, that definitely gave me some encouragement. And I, I think about those times and I think that I can never truly shut the door to that. Sure. So I will, I will constantly weigh my options. I'm a numbers guy, and I, I have to constantly look at the numbers and the probability and possibility of being elected. Because if I go this time, the last time, like I said, I had a full-time, you know, I, I still have a full-time job, but I, I, was, I was 50-50. If I do it this time, it's, it's going to be 100%, and I'm kicking ass and taking names. So. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. And, and uh, you know, maybe I can convince you to run as a libertarian next time. <laughs> if you guys get listen, if, if you guys get ballot status back, like I said, I had, I had met with the libertarian. I, I considered a New York State Assembly run in 2020. I kind of regret not doing that. I, I, there was actually a red wave in, in New York, believe it or not, in, in 2020. Republicans, did, a lot of the seats, they didn't win, but they did a lot better than people thought that they would. Um, but I, I met with the libertarians and I was... I was very interested in carrying the line. I still want to learn a lot about what the libertarians are, what they're about. Uh, I look forward to talking to the lobster, talking to you, and talking to some really smart people uh, about ideology and all those things. Um, but, yeah, you guys got to get ballot status back here. And, and you lost it in 2018 uh, by, by a very slim margin. So, yeah, it's very important that you guys get ballot status out back there, here in New there York. Are some really, there are some really, really, really fucking good libertarians in New York, man. Like, I know I know yeah. some really good ones. A lot of them are upstate, but I, I know I know some. And then you got Larry right there, I mean, next to you. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, yeah. Uh, Larry he, follows me on Twitter, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy, man. He's actually – Larry, if you believe it or not, Larry is one of my mentors. I'm a, a lot more edgy than Larry ever was, and he he understands that that's kind of my, my shtick. But – uh. Larry, if it wasn't for Larry, I wouldn't be half of what I have been in this movement. That guy taught me so fucking much about how to deal with people, uh, you know, how to get over some of the, uh, the, the, I wasn't good at taking criticism in the beginning, you know, four years ago when I first got really involved in politics, uh, you know, cause I came from the Ron Paul, uh, campaigns. I, I worked on Ron Paul's campaign in 2008 and I didn't have to deal with any fucking criticism because no one gave a shit about, you know, an organizer yeah. for the Ron Paul campaign in 2008 in California, especially, you know. Uh, but when I actually put myself out there and ran for chair of the party, uh, it was like attack, 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 attack all the time. Right. And I didn't know how to fucking deal with that. I was just like a publication guy. Right. I worked on a couple of campaigns. I had never done any shows like this or anything. And uh, so I was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You know, and, <laughs> and then he was like, look, you got, you know, you got to kind of play the game. You got to learn to play the game. Uh, otherwise, you're never going to get elected chair and all this shit. Yeah. And so he really kind of helped me learn uh, how to how to play, how to play politics, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's an ugly, shitty game that I hate to be a part of. Uh, but I understand that um, if I'm going to be a part of it, I'm going to be a part of the party that wants to roll back this fucking massive, insane state that we deal with every day. So that's why. I, them, you know. I was told to play the game for for a while, and um, when I ran, I definitely did play the game a little bit. I, I'm I'm not about the game. Like one of my one of my tweets that I send out daily is like bring back toxic toxic masculinity. Like we need to bring that back into the world. Uh, I feel like America was a better place when we had that going on. But it's I funny you mention how you yeah yeah <laughs> bring back the nuclear family, bring back toxic masculinity. Men need to be men. 
and women need to be women and we need to just cut the, like men and women need to be looking to get together and have families and grow families we need to bring that like that society back into play brother i got I seven like, i got seven kids so wow oh, you're doing a pretty good job <laughs> but i was actually introduced i was actually introduced to the libertarian party in a really cool way uh, austin peterson back in 2016 i was i was following the presidential election i wasn't like a hundred percent in I knew that uh, Donald Trump was running. Uh, that sort of became a big deal over time. And uh, I was just like on Twitter and I replied to a tweet of Austin Peterson's and he replied back like immediately. And then two minutes later, I had a message from him and he was like, hey, I'm running for president of the United States on the libertarian line. And, you know, I thought it was a really great question that you asked me. Can I call you and tell you about myself and some of my beliefs? And I was like, this dude's running for president. And then like I Googled it and I Googled the Libertarian Party and it was like a legit thing. And this dude called me, told me about himself. I, I just, I was like, holy crap. Like if this guy, it, it sort of gave me when I ran in 2017, like, like a little bit of motivation. Like this guy's running for president and he's worried about some, you know, at the time I was 26 years old, like a 26 year old from Brooklyn, New York. Like he wants, he wants that type of outreach. Like he's really running a grassroots campaign. So it was just—it was a really cool experience on uh, on how I kind of got like formally introduced to the Libertarian Party. But I had said the Giants Cowboy thing, sort of. So I was a Cowboy fan, 2007. It's a quick story. Uh, Giants win the Super Bowl. I'm in high school. Like all my friends take off from from class to go to the Giants parade because they're all Giant fans. So I'm like, all right, screw it. You know, I'll, I'll just go with them. I'll go hang out. So I'm on the train and these two dudes just come up to me with a microphone and a camera, and they're like, "Can we talk to you about Ron Paul?" And I'm like. Who? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm 17 years old. Like, he's they're trying to tell me he's running for president. And I, I'll never forget, like, my last line that I had told them. I was like, I'm probably going to, if I'm going to vote for Ron, it's going to be Ron Burgundy, because Anchorman was really big at the time. And I just walked away. And then, like, fast forward to 2016, I'm watching the Republican debates, and Rand Paul is on stage. And originally, uh, Rand Paul is my candidate. He's who I wanted. And then, like, you know, I Googled a little bit about Rand Paul, and I seen that he was Ron Paul's son. And I'm like, oh, crap. That's that guy from 2008. Like, there you go. Yeah, Ron. Ron. Uh, Ron opened the the door for an entire generation of liberty-minded people. I mean, if it wasn't for Ron, I don't know that I'd be here either. Uh, I didn't know what the fuck libertarian was before Ron, but I, I was in the military. I'd got out in 2005. I was uh, on the on the ship that actually was the biggest part of the shock and awe campaign. We dropped like 100 million tons of ordnance on Baghdad. It fucked me all off. I became like an anti-war activist. I'm still an anti-war activist first. That's the, the top priority for me is stop these endless wars overseas. But um, it's, it's my biggest criticism of, of Donald Trump is that we're still fighting in Afghanistan. Yeah, and the one good thing that I can say about Trump when it comes to foreign policies, he didn't start any more fucking wars, but he didn't end right. any of the wars yet. Which he should have. He should have ended. I mean, he should have pulled right out of fucking Afghanistan right away. Uh, but so, so I, uh, you know, that was my biggest thing. And then I found Ron Paul in 2007 running for president, and I was like, wow, dude, this guy's. I was still a registered Republican. I was a neocon before I joined the military. Right after 9/11, I joined the military to go off and fight the evil terrorists. And um, right. and uh, service. Yeah, yeah. And so then I found Ron Paul, and it was like he was speaking right to my soul. He's talking about blowback and how we're creating terrorists and and all this shit. And I was yeah. like, holy fuck, dude. And then I found Murray Rothbard and, and uh, you know, Milton Freeman and all these great free market 
uh, economics guys. And man, it's a it's a window that once you open it, you cannot shut it anymore. And that's what the Libertarian Party platform really is. We we're fighting for the soul of the of the party right now. So there's a lot of fucking infighting going on uh, because these these kind of lulberts, as we like to refer to them, or the loser brigade, has kind of had their run of the of the the party for ten years or more. Um, and they really are we we call them regime libertarians, which means they uh, they want to simp to the DC elite, right? They want to be the DC elite, so they think they can't right. piss them off. But the DC elite fucking hate us, dude. They're always going to yeah. hate us because we don't want to push for more authoritarian policies, and that's all they want. So we you know we got this Mises caucus now, who's really t- I mean at this point taking over twenty six state boards uh, for the party, and they, there's really no way they're ever going to stop us uh, from doing it now. Um, and those are the real hardcore libertarians that don't give a fuck anymore that want to run you know candidates they're going to be unapologetically libertarian and and fight you know the state really fight the state not fight each other fight the fucking state um and so so it's uh it's a growing it's a growing pains kind of sort of thing um but it's every day it gets a little bit easier for us and we're we're really close man uh we got about you know the next uh national conventions in 2022 in reno nevada and uh we still got a whole nother year of state conventions to go and we already we already own 26 state boards so there's really no stopping us anymore um and and the low the low are out so it's a whole new dawn an age for the Libertarian Party. I think people will be proud to be a part of it uh, at, going forward um, once they start looking into it again and understand it's not the same Libertarian Party that ran Gary Johnson and Bill Weld in 2016. Um, and it's not even the same party that ran Joe Jorgensen last year. So uh, it's yeah. definitely, definitely different, man. It's, it's grown. It's going to be good. Man, where can the people find you at, brother? How can they support you? How can they follow you? Twitter, uh, at Ray DeNaro is my, is my Twitter handle. Uh, Ray DeNaro for New York on if you have Facebook. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm pretty Twitter, Facebook. I'm not really a, a tremendous social media guy, but I'm on Twitter all day. You want to message me, ask me questions, you know, go for it. Um, same thing with Facebook. I, I, I answer every question. I'm, I'm tweeting constantly. Uh, yeah, man, that's that's pretty much it. Nice. Uh, I'm sorry. I saw one more question in the chat that I needed clarification on, and I'm trying sure. to find it. These fucking chats are—they're hard, man. Uh, let's see. Where to go? Where to go? Where to go? I'm, uh, listen to the people that are listening to this episode. Just give me a break. I—I I got very few super chats to show. Okay, so I have to like look through it. Uh, let's see. It was—it sounded funny, and I can't even find it now. Uh, it was some about jam. What's the difference between jam? <laughs> And I'm sure that it's a troll question that you. Oh, what's the difference between pudding and jam, Ray? Uh, I will not answer that one, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure you can figure it out. Who's it from? <laughs> oh fuck, dude! Where, let me, where, where'd it go? Oh man, I'd lose these chats so easy. This now, now everybody watching understands why I answer. Why I always ask the. Uh, By the, the way, whoever it was, the joke is: what is the difference between jelly and jam? Not pudding and jam. Oh, yeah, the difference between pudding and jam is what they said. Anthony Bian- Bianchi? Uh, all right. Yeah, another troll. Yeah, yeah. It, s- it sounds like another New York guy. Yeah, yeah. Val yeah. at the end of his name, yeah. likely a New York guy. Yeah, it's guy. the name. It's the name. You're like, yeah, it's got to be a New York guy. Italian guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. And Top Lopsis, he's not Italian, though. No, no, but, uh, you know, that's, a, that's my brother from another, so he's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, he's Puerto Italian Rican, he's like Puerto Rican yeah. or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Ray, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I look forward to what you're doing in the future. Uh, anytime you want to reach out and have a conversation about the Libertarian Party, I'm here, man. I, I promise you, and to anybody else that's watching, it is not the same party that it was even last year. It's, uh, it's becoming something beautiful that you can be proud to be a part of. And, uh, you know, once people start to realize that, we'll start getting ballot access in those 
close. You know, we got, we got like five states that are really hard to get. It's not even that hard to get in New York. We can get it right back. We just have to petition. And um, it's not like Tennessee and Illinois and Alabama, which are just fucking horrendous. We can't even get ballot access in Tennessee, dude. It's insane. Wow. Uh, one year in protest, uh, the, the Libertarian Party ran 30 candidates for uh, for a governor uh, as independents. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just jam up the ballot. Fuck it. If, you, if they're not going to let you Don't get on there, just jam that ballot up. Love do whatever that. you can. But, man, I really appreciate you coming on, brother, and I look forward to talking with you in the future. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys, another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Hey, guys, go check out the Patreon, subscribe star, and the uh, or become a channel member here on YouTube. Uh, I typically do after-hour streams right after the uh, stream with with the uh, with with my guest tonight. I cannot do that because I'm going to go hop on Tower Power Hour where they have shoe on head tonight uh, on a, a libertarian shit posting channel. So I'm going to go hop in there and hang out with those guys for a little bit. But uh, thank you so much for checking us out. Definitely check out the Patreon, subscribe star, and uh, and uh, become a member here on on the YouTube. All kinds of awesome exclusive content. Plus, you get all kinds of other swag and all that good stuff. Check out our sponsors, TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend. Get 10% discount by using the code BTC at checkout. You can get awesome, awesome gear there. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Or you can uh, you know join all those things I just talked about. Get into a private Discord server that has wonderful people like Top Lobster, like Stefan Kinsella, Angela, Angela McArdle, and other great people um, and get his gear like two weeks before it goes out to the uh, general pop population at like a 30% discount. It really, it really will make a difference. And of course, executive producer of the show, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a great job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Guys, coming up on the show tomorrow. One of the most based school choice advocates in all of history, Corey DeAngelis, will be on the show. We are going to trigger the fuck out of some pearl-clutching uh, public school advocates. It's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely show up to hang out. And on Friday, my good friend Chase Geyser is going to be on from One American Podcast. This dude is awesome. In fact, he helped me get an interview with Brandy Love, one of the most famous porn stars in the world, who will be coming on the show on uh, August 30th. That's going to be insane. I will see you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow night for the show with Corey DeAngelis. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle. Due to legal reasons, I just have to explain. The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse and the frame. But I just spent it in Minecraft. The helicopter part wasn't referenced to GTA 5 and the things you do So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse Cause I just spent it in Minecraft Lord Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just spent it in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless there's due process and a trial of course And if you're convicted we will make you a course In Minecraft, just in Minecraft You're nothing I mean, you 